Hello, this is Michael Howard from Eden Place Nature Center. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in three, two, one. <laughs> Subtle, but okay. I'm trying. If you put them outside, the squirrels will eat them. I'm not saying don't put them outside, but if you put them outside, the squirrels will eat them. I didn't have room inside, so I put them outside, and the squirrels ate them, one by one. They only ate half of each one begun. They're no good to me now, and they no longer hold attraction to the squirrels. The squirrels come back for the ones untouched, because I put them outside, and the squirrels are eating them. They'll soon be gone, and the squirrels will be fat. I knew that when I put them outside. I knew the squirrels would eat them. I knew that if you put them outside, the squirrels will eat them. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at the Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. And good morning. And for those of you listening on the A&M, and you heard Rick DeMaio tell everybody that we're on on Saturdays too. No, that's that's really not true. Um, we just haven't told Rick yet. We just no, we told Rick. We told everybody. Somebody at the station didn't realize get the memo. So that's what. Uh, we're we're going to bust them right here on all 10,000 watts or 7,500 watts or whatever it is this Sunday morning. Welcome to the show. We have guests in the studio. If you're watching, uh, we got how many guests uh, are, are in there? Hold that sucker up. I believe Wait. there's about 50. Look at that. I haven't counted. All right. I want, I'm going to get away from the mic. Keep talking. <laughs> there's a big flap going on in the studio. Those are... Uh... Monarch butterflies. Yes. If if you are watching on Facebook Live, Whoa. which you can do by going to the Mike Novak Show on Facebook and share with everyone too, because you'll find out why we have all of these butterflies in the studio this morning. Look at that! Oh, that look at those! Awesome that is awesome. They get a ding. <laughs> First time ever, butterflies get a ding in the studio. Oh, good. I'm glad. And, <laughs> they deserve that. And those butterflies. <laughs> Are champing at the bit. They want to get out of there. Yes. So that you're about 
Are you going to let them free right after the show? Is that what's going to happen? I'm going to let them out at my father's butter, uh, his birthday party this afternoon. Oh my goodness! <laughs> new Lennox. So you know, and that might Lennox. be uh, that. By the way, is Dolly Foster, and uh, she is a horticulturist, arborist, public speaker, uh, monarch enthusiast, and um, horticulturist for the Oak lawn park district and i kept seeing oak park lawn district <laughs> every time i saw that i went no that can't be right it, no it's the oak, oak lawn, lawn. Oak there's lawn too many district. there's too many suburbs with oak and forest there in is it. i mean really we're going to consolidate all of those suburbs <laughs> into one it's going to be oak, oak place oak place i like there it. you go i like that oak swamp that's what you know uh arbor sludge we're going to put it all together <laughs> into one suburb because I can't tell the difference and I don't know where any of you are. I, I really don't. It's it's you know, once I walk outside the city limits, it's yeah, it's it does it, it's, it's a free for all. It is get past it's Oak Park crazy. Avenue. That's yeah, it. I yeah. can't even I can't even handle driving on Oak Park Avenue. Even, <laughs> well the first it. six weeks I worked in Oak Lawn, my husband thought I worked in Oak Park. I, I'm telling you, this is what <laughs> happens. Really this is what happens. This is there's too many oak stuff suburbs so stop it just stop doing that stop naming them with oaks and yep and lawns yes <laughs> don't do that anymore um and uh, so dolly's here and she brought her monarchs because she raises them and that's not the only reason we're going to talk uh pollinator gardens and how to how how you can uh, put one in your own yard and attract butterflies like that. If you go to MikeNovak.net, you will see the photo that I took. Um, and I was so disappointed. because, And we have almost like a minute and then we'll, we'll have to break. But uh, I saw this beautiful butterfly, little tiny butterfly out at the, the lakefront the other day. And I wrote to my friend, Doug Terran, uh, at, uh, mm-hmm. at uh, uh, Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. I Hoping that this was a butterfly they hadn't seen, he said, "Oh yeah, those populations are are doing great. It's a <laughs> it's a silver something skipper, uh, silver spotted skipper, silver spot. See, you I know have this. one in my yard right now. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. What do you mean in your yard right now? Do they stay there for the summer uh, or no? He'll, you know, they float in for a couple days. I've feed, n- and then I I have move on. never seen one of those before. No, they're a nope. beautiful little butterfly. Yeah, lovely and it's little a great butterfly. photo too. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it and it was on a bergamot, and I thought. Okay, I'm hoping that, that Doug says, oh, my God, where did you see that butterfly? We haven't seen that butterfly in 20 years in I think Chicago. if you ever saw a Milbert's tortoise shell, he might get excited because they're pretty rare. All right. That's Dolly Foster. We're talking pollinators when we come back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. One of McHenry County's premier sustainability events is coming up, and now's the time to sign up. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place in November, but registration for vendor and artist space is now open. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Peggy and I were there, and I bowled pumpkins for compost. 
It's a fun way to interact with the green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Do you know that Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? This is Peggy, and I know this is true because for eight years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and they're ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicago who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, doctors, dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. What is this place? You're in uncharted territory. What do you mean? Where are we? I don't know if you've heard this. I don't know what it is. Tell us your name, please. 1590. WCGO Chicago. My agent asked me to take another pest control commercial, and I said, not a chance. Uh, Hello? Are we rolling? Hey, my name's Chris. I'm here to introduce a new Silly Bus song, and it's called Icky, Icky Insects. What? But as we all know, insects are not icky, icky at all. Icky, icky insects have six legs. Icky, icky insects hash for eggs. Icky, icky insects all around. In the air and sea and on the ground. Okay, that's enough of that. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. <laughs> and uh, we got to show it again for the folks. If you're listening... Uh, on the A&M, we really appreciate it. If you catch this on the podcast, we love you to death. You do that at MikeNovak.net. But if you're not watching on Facebook, you don't you're get to see the monarchs. Because I'm going to show them again. I'm going to take the, this. I'm going to go up here and hold up this leg up. And look We've at got that. quite the flap happening in the studio oh, this morning. Man. Bunch of I, beautiful honestly, monarchs. I didn't know you guys would be so excited about this. <laughs> I thought maybe we would just put them over in a corner near an air conditioner and just let them cool. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, no, no. They're monarchs. We, we we had a guy walk in with a whole bunch of bees. Oh, cool. And we did the same thing. He's like, cool. you know, uh, in fact, we're inviting entomologists all over the area, all over the country. <laughs> Bring your insects yes. into the studio. That's a good idea. And we we will display <laughs> them for everybody. Now, you have let's start right there, Dolly Foster, yes. with uh, and I should reintroduce you, uh, Dolly Foster, who is the horticulturist for the Oak Lawn Park District. And we went over that before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she uh, she's also uh, uh, just uh, is a monarch enthusiast and not just monarchs, though, butterflies and pollinators, right? Yes, yes. I, I have expanded my knowledge a bit. <laughs> um, I love bees and, you know, bumblebees and... All kinds of butterflies and plant for everything. I plant for I plant with purpose. That's kind of my theme. And there's two things you need to know about her that are are, are wonderful. One is the URL 
for her website, which is Hort for You. I love that. H O R T, the numeral four, the letter U. But even better is when you type in the URL and it pops mm-hmm. up, it identifies itself as Hort Ergo Sum. And that means uh, <laughs> I garden, therefore I, I am, am. <laughs> which is that gets a that gets a ding there uh, because and uh, and and as we know, uh, because you're you're uh, a science person, obviously. Yes. All right, and she will blind you with science. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the whole idea. So now back to the monarchs. We've done our introduction here. Uh, and one of the things you do, how many monarchs have you raised this year? I think this this group here is going to bring me up to about 600. Wow. That's pretty good. Which is fantastic for this time of year. Uh-huh. Um, it's unusual. Mm-hmm. It's been an unusually fantastic year. I'm sure everybody listening can agree. If you're a gardener, you have seen monarchs. Well, I, I guess it depends where. I, you know, we're in the Midwest, uh, and I don't know what it's like. Uh, out east. I don't know what it's like in the south. Yeah. Uh, I know that in this area, Doug Terran from uh, Peggy Notabart Nature Museum, uh, which is Chicago Academy of Sciences, yeah. says it's been a really good monarch year. Yeah. And his observations from the Illinois Butterfly Monitoring Network, and he's been on the show mm-hmm. to talk about this, indicates that it is a good summer. And this is a continuing conversation we've had for several years, sure. Doug and I, mm-hmm. on this program about what's the right count. What is, is it more important when they're coming out of Mexico and somebody does a count there for the winter, or is it more important when you see them and observe them uh, in the rest of North America mm-hmm. and you see lots of them there, which is the count? And there's, obviously it's impossible to get, to get an, right. a, a specific count. But his point is that you can't just count the monarchs in the winter coming out of Mexico. You need to see what happens to them uh, when they come and procreate yes. and do their life cycle life cycles because uh, most monarchs live a co- uh, what, couple of months, basically. Yeah, the monarchs in the summer live about uh, four to six weeks. Yeah. They'll mate twice during that lifespan, but the monarchs that are the migrators that are just starting to be born, it, probably in the next two weeks, they'll start being born here in the mm-hmm. Chicagoland area. They will live seven to nine months. Which is so amazing. And they don't, they and don't fly eat. to Mexico. They don't eat at they, all? They don't eat during the winter when they're down in Mexico. They oh, when up, they're down. Yeah, yeah, but they eat to get down there oh, because yes. they have to get yes. nourishment. Yes. And, they, and that's one of the reasons that you want uh, all the fall plants and you yes. want the pollinator attracting plants in your yard because this is going to be the crucial time. You need those things. You know, you know folks, folks pay attention to their gardens basically in the spring and early summer. Mm-hmm. And that's what and then they kind of <laughs> they lose and and in Chicago late, uh, recently uh we went from incredibly heavy rains to zippo uh in the last 6 weeks basically. And um that causes people to lose interest and they don't keep their plants up yeah. and they don't flower as Profusely, and then suddenly the nectar sources, dry the food source, yeah, for for up. the butterflies dry up. This is when you need to be paying attention to it. Usually, people think that um, for the monarch migration and for the monarchs in general, milkweed is the most important plant, and it is the most important plant because we need as much as possible to build that population during the summer. 
But equally as important are things like goldenrod and New England aster, ironweed, and Mexican sunflower in the fall because those are the plants that have really nice, nutritious, fatty nectar that helps Mm -hmm. the monarchs put on 50% of their weight on their way down to Mexico, which is what they have to do. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you had to put on 50% of your own weight in two months while flying 2,500 miles. (laughs) (laughs) Flapping your arms all the way. (laughs) Flapping your arms all the way and floating on the thermals and... Uh, so it's very, very important to have. I just flew that. in from Canada. Boy, my arms tired. <laughs> but um, bum. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. I was so, waiting for some kind of there joke we out go. of that. Uh, <laughs> give us that that list again of plants. You went through that very quickly, and I think folks might be interested in that. <laughs> sure, uh, New England aster, and which um, is a plant everybody loves, and when it's blooming, yes, it's gorgeous. In, in the fall, it's wonderful, and often with uh, solidago. Yes, or, or, or goldenrod. Golden so with solidago, though, I usually tell my students when I'm teaching my class, you know, don't just go out in the country and dig up solidago on the side of the road because that's tall goldenrod or Canadian mm-hmm. goldenrod. Yeah. And, and you'll be a farmer of that for the rest of your life. Yes. Uh, but you want to go to a, a native plant source, a, a native plant nursery. And you want to buy one like Riddles or uh, Zigzag. Are you saying native are? I am not saying native are. Okay. I'm saying Zigzag. <laughs> zigzag is one of the native species of okay. Solidago. And then Showy Goldenrod is a good one. Riddles is a good one. They don't spread as fast. Mm-hmm. You will get a big clump after a few years. but uh, Well, I have to admit, I had a Goldenrod. I don't know how it got there. Popped up in my backyard oh. a couple of years ago. And I have been, and it's and it's it's a big one. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the big ones. And I have to decide, make a decision about it. And what I do now is I cut it back halfway through the summer, mm-hmm. so that it's not flopping all over the place. Yeah, and, they do get quite tall. I, I yeah. find that native plants get quite tall in a home garden. Oh, and, I have ironweed yeah. too, and it flops. Yeah. I mean, I just yeah. don't have enough sun for it. I don't have yeah. enough room. I might rip it out at some point, but for now I'm, I'm experimenting. I want to see. Right. But, the, the, yeah, the ironweed really flops on yeah. me. Well, the nice thing on the zigzag, it takes partial shade, at least yes. in my yard. Yeah, it can tolerate a little bit mm-hmm. more than the so others. So I definitely got to get some zigzag. Yeah, the, you know, I would suggest it. Yeah. The problem is, all right, and this is a problem that folks have uh, in cities, in the suburbs as well. And that is, what's the orientation of your home? All right. My home is on the south part of my lot. Okay. Which means that as we get into the fall, I lose sun in half the yard. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by winter, there's virtually no sun sure. in my yard. So if I want something that blooms in the fall, I'm kind of out of luck. It's not going to get any sun or very mm-hmm. little. It's going to get very little sun. Right. In the middle of the summer, I mean, I... It's interesting because even close to the house, I've got this stand of coneflower, which has been mm-hmm. rocking and attracting monarchs and all kinds of butterflies and, and pollinators. It's going to be in the shade in, in a month. Right. Uh, and that's okay because it gets that full sun in the middle of the summer. And I don't, so now I, I, can, I can live with that. But if I want something that's going to start blooming yes. uh, at the end of August, I got a problem. It's got to be in the right placement and... So, but, and some people don't have yeah, that option is what yeah, I'm saying. Right. You know, um, it's people in the suburbs and in the city don't have big, wide open spaces that yeah. get lots of sun in the fall. Right. Yeah. Well, neither do I. I live in Hammond and in <laughs> oh, Hammond oh. we have urban lots where mine's 48 by 103. 
what's the orientation? So are you able? Uh, to- my house faces north, so my my yard is south facing. So I do good for have you. that. Yeah. I you know so hydrangeas and so that that helps. Yeah, front. yeah, mm-hmm. that does help. Yeah. And I did not think about that when I bought my house. Had I, I had I really known I was going to go into horticulture when I bought my house. <laughs> You'd have bought a different house. I would have bought a different house with a little bit bigger yard. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little, little bit about uh, your background here. And, and you say coming into horticulture, you did, yes. obviously didn't start in horticulture. I did not. I wish I had. Um, well, I do too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I'm a guy that, you know, in college I was studying radio and television. I thought I was going to be a rock and roll di- disc jockey. And I, <laughs> and I wish I had studied entomology or forestry yeah. or horticulture mm-hmm. of some kind. Yeah. I went to the wrong college. I went to Indiana University and I was... I was looking for plant classes, and, and mm-hmm. all I could find was one, clan, one class on plant sex, and that was it. That was all I could take down at Indiana <laughs> University. I literally did not know about Purdue and what Purdue was oh about. Oh, my gosh. Because I went to— Just know, down the road, too. Basically. I know. Oh. I went to a suburban yep. prep school. So. Yeah, and, and the whole high, uh, high school college prep was very different from today. It was very different. So yeah. um, I became a teacher and uh, never did get a full-time job, and so I— Got a little disgruntled and fell into horticulture. <laughs> became, became a master gardener, and just like you, and I'm a Purdue master gardener, by the way. Ah, so, so and you keep up with that through? Uh, I Purdue? do, I do. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Well, you live in Hammond, so yeah, of course so you're I'm, not going to do it here. No, I'm. I'm actually involved in a very in two very large pollinator projects in. Um, Shareville uh, and Crown Point, Indiana. Well, so. and that's something I want to get into as well. Uh, you working for a municipality, so yes. you bring that sensibility, you bring the sensibility of a private gardener and knowing what pollinators want mm-hmm. um, to the the bureaucracy, shall we say, yeah. of a municipality. Are you, and I, and I went to the uh, Oak Lawn website and, and looked down the the staff, the staff list, and you're it. You're the horticulturist. I am it. I know. <laughs> I <am> it. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> so I'm thinking, what can one person do for an entire city or village? Well, I'm only responsible for the parks, so that's a good thing. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. village takes care of their own properties, and they they do a beautiful job. Right, and job. I have to say, I looked at the park district site. Mm-hmm. That's what yes. I was looking at. Yes. But still, there's a lot of staff. On the yeah. Park District site, and there's only one horticulturist. Yes. So uh, I do have a staff of five uh, college kids that work for me. So shout out to Tommy Pahokey, because if I didn't do that, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tommy, oh, you got go, it. Go, Tommy. All right, uh, Tommy. So I have uh, a small staff, and uh, we we just really do try and muscle through and, and make our way around the park district and keep things looking nice. We, we try as hard as we but can. But it's not just about looking nice. I no. mean, what's, what mm-hmm. about the policy? How is it? All right. I, I imagine this involves not only the kinds of plants you put in. Yes. Uh, but uh, pesticides as well yes. and lawns. Uh, yes. what, what are the policies regarding lawns and all of that stuff? Our overall policy for um, all of our plantings is that uh, – we go native as much as possible. Our trees are almost uh, 90% natives. We, uh, with, with my plantings and planning my plantings, I have a couple of criteria. Things have to be drought tolerant. They should be you know, 80% natives. They should feed something. Those are my three crit- criteria. So whether it be... Um, I'm the, looking here, by the way. You look like you're hiding behind. We've got, we got to move that over just a little bit. I think. Can, can there I, we can go. I there put go. it down this Oh, way? yeah, you can put it sideways. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 
Because that way you can see the clock, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I cannot see the clock. It's uh, oh, now there I can go. see. Oh, look at them flapping around in there now. Hey guys. Oh, that looks, and you can see it on camera too, right there, in front of go. Dolly. That's fabulous. Get so, a shot of that, Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> so everything that I plant in the parks has to feed something. So whether it be the hazelnut shrubs that I put in the dog park, just to be cheeky. Uh, now, or, why, do you, why, do, why do you say that? Well, I put the hazelnut shrubs out in the dog park uh, for when they finally do get hazelnuts. They'll bring the squirrels down out of the trees, and then the dogs will have something to chase. <laughs> my you're, boss, my that, boss thought that was hilarious. That's some great logic. You're, yeah. you're, you're my thinking, boss thought that was hilarious. I love that. You're thinking ahead. <laughs> I you're am like, thinking if, ahead. It's going to take 15 years for them to get nuts, but uh, <laughs> they're no, going to no, no. be there. Dogs are already nuts. Oh, oh I Thank mean you for very the squirrels. Much. <laughs> oh, but, uh, yes, I, I really do feel that planting with purpose is the most important thing. So everything I plant has to feed somebody something, um, be part of an ecosystem. It's not hard to build an ecosystem in a yard or in a park if you just um, make sure that you're putting some thought into it. And the biggest part of that is going to be a high percentage of natives. Because our insects and our butterflies and, and the, the bees and the bumblebees, they're all natives and so we need native plants in order to feed Not all them. the bees, though. <clears throat> no, not all the bees. In, and, you know, and that's something important to say because what happens and what has happened over the past couple of decades is folks say, got to save the honeybees. Mm, and yes. you want to raise your hand and say, well, yeah, they're really important to agriculture. However, they're not native. Yes. They're not native right. to North America. Dare, uh, dare I say they are livestock? Dare yes, I you may. You, yeah, you can because, say that. They are. Yeah. They really are. They're extremely important. Um, but a mason bee is going to pollinate crops a heck of a lot better than a honeybee. So. And you can have mason bees in your yeah. own backyard. And, we, and I do. And, and do. I have them at our community garden, too. And our little bee houses at the community garden yep. are just chocked full of baby bees for next year. Mason, mason bees? I think they're mason bees, but also a variety of other okay. natives, too. All right, that's Dolly Foster. We're talking pollinators. It's the Mike Nowak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. From boat to doorstep, you can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. This is Tree Keeper number 417, hydrated, loppers sharpened, and reporting that Openlands has Tree Keeper summer and fall courses in 2018. Tree Keepers are trained volunteers who advocate and care for nature's most majestic plants, trees, around the Chicago area. Trust me, you'll be glad you took the course. The summer course is Tuesdays and Thursdays in Arlington Heights. The fall course is Sundays and Thursdays at Wells Park in Chicago. To learn more, visit openlands.org slash treekeepers. 
If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. My favorite show when I was a kid. Yep. One of the few cartoons I watched. Right. Yes, that and Underdog. I loved Underdog. Uh, oh, yeah. I, well, I've got the Underdog theme here. Uh-oh. I, I, I've got uh, my CD of Toon Tunes, 50 favorite classic cartoon theme songs. Oh, I love that. All right. Well, great. When we come back on the next one, it's, it's, I'm going to track down uh, Underdog. Just it, for The Dolly. problem is there's like 50 on here, and you have to kind of... There they are. If I'd have known that. All right, I'll find I'll find underdog. Good. Oh, there's underdog number twenty-six. All right. Just for All our right. guest. Just for Dolly our guest. Foster. All right. Thank Dolly you. Foster, who's a horticulturist and butterfly keeper, and we were talking bees, uh, because they're pollinators as well. Indeed. Uh so what kind of pollinators uh you know, people are aware people love butterflies. Let me put it this way. But butterflies are not necessarily the best pollinators, are no. they? they? No, they are not. They 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 can do some pollinating, yes. but bees are generally better pollinators. But all kinds of animals are pollinators. There are mammals that are pollinators and drag pollen around on their fur and that yeah, sort of do. thing. We we're pollinators as humans. <laughs> accidentally, we don't do it. We're not very efficient no. uh, about it. But so, what <laughs> other kind of pollinators uh, do you try to make people aware of? I try to make people aware that there are 400 species of native bee in Indiana and Illinois and the Midwest region in general. There's 4,000 in, in the world. But we have 400 species here in this area. And um, they are very important to try and preserve. And I encourage lots and lots of people to leave their gardens up over the winter. Don't cut everything down because there's baby bees in those stems. It's one of the important Mm -hmm. things to do if you want those bees next year for your vegetable garden or your flower garden. Um, Don't cut your stems down. Don't be too tidy in the garden in the fall. Neatness freaks. That's what I say. I'm meaner than you are. I'm just saying (laughs) stop, (laughs) stop being a neatness freak in your garden because you think, you know, it's the same, it's the same instinct for lawns is that we want it flat and we want it all uniform and we want it this. I know folks uh, back when I was living in a different neighborhood, a couple of doors down, there were these gardeners and they would clean up everything. I mean, I mean, and just to the nub and it was all just not bare, a leaf anywhere, not a leaf anywhere, bare dirt. They wow. wouldn't even put mulch down. Well, they would just, yeah, just clean it. And I thought, what are you doing? There, nothing can survive there. It's no. it's like the surface of the they're moon. They're not thinking yes. that way. Exactly. They just want to. Well, look they need clean. to, and and that's how you need to tell folks. And one of the th- okay, do you like 
uh, fireflies. I love fireflies. Mm-hmm. And I see firefly larvae in my garden in the spring when I'm digging in the garden and cleaning things up. What does up. a firefly larva look like? It's it's um, very small. It's white, and it looks like it has scales. Really? I've, yeah. I probably have seen it and didn't know what it was. Yeah, and I think uh, there's some orange on it somewhere. Because uh, I love fireflies, and if you leave... Oh, wait. Oh, okay. That's a firefly larva. All right. Yes. Peggy was see, showing me. Yeah, uh, and uh, I see uh, lots of beetle pupa in my garden in the ground. One of the things that I did many, many years ago was when I first started gardening, I had a really good master gardener mentor, and mm-hmm. she taught me how to butterfly garden. And I decided, well, she decided for me, if you're going to do this, no pesticides in your garden. So right. I don't use any pesticides in my garden. But it's evolved into concentrating on um, building an ecosystem in my very, very small, limited garden. Yeah. And I see all kinds of wonderful things. If I'm digging in the garden in the spring, I'll I'll upend a, a queen bumblebee and, you know, just kind of put her back and... I see the ladybug larvas and beetle pupas, and I see. All I would kinds love of cool to stuff. see a ladybug larva. I know what they look like. I don't think I've ever seen the one in person. The first time I saw one in my garden, I just about cried. I had to run in the house <laughs> and look up my um, my nieces and nephews had a bug book at my house when they were little, and so I was looking through this book and it's I found called it. icky icky insects, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I think it's like backyard insects. And on the last page, there was the ladybug larva. And um, I just about cried because I thought, this is it. I have I nirvana. Have, I have achieved insect nirvana because the ladybugs were having wow. their whole life cycle in my garden because there was food for them. They'll leave if you don't have the food for them. And luckily, now that I grow milkweed, I have lots of food for them. I'm kind of surprised that I see very few ladybugs in my mm. garden and i don't use any chemicals at all i let everything grow overgrow and flop and you know and all that detritus yeah. is on is on the so it's uh and i have had an infestation of aphids on one particular plant mm. in the last week yeah uh and i'm thinking hey ladybugs yeah hello. over here hello hello, hello. Yeah. I'll come. Where are you? I'll come. No, I never yeah. see ladybugs no? in my garden either. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and, she's, and she's the same as I am. She's yeah. And she's even closer to more natural areas. I'm smack in the middle of the city, okay? I'm kind of this oasis. And this year has been a revelation. Uh, and I know Kathleen's listening, and she feels the same way. We walk out every morning, and it's just pollinators buzzing and moving and and yes. it's just there's so much act it's like grand central station in yeah. my backyard except it's insects and other bugs mm-hmm. uh and it's it's unbelievable monarchs have been there and fritillary and admirals and, and your you, silver spotted skipper well actually the silver spotted skipper was at the lakefront i went to oh, the lakefront yeah. to see that okay. yeah uh, but so I know that there's activity and I know that the insects love my yard. Yes. Uh, but I haven't You've seen. You've got such a great mix of natives now established. Yes. Too. And, that's I, really I, helping. and, and I, that's what I've been doing over the last decade is, you know, being the garden guy on the radio, people give you plants. And unfortunately, most of those plants are not native. Right. Yeah. And you don't want to kill them. So you plant them. And then 10 years down the road, you realize I really don't want that plant. Mm-hmm. So now what do I do? And I've begun just taking them out I, and I putting say, in native. I always tell people, don't don't be afraid just to take a plant out that you don't like and just compost it. It's okay. Yeah, it it's really painful. is. It, it is painful. It's tough love. You got to do it sometimes. Well, you did that to a boxwood this I year, did it to you? a boxwood that was five feet tall, uh, the most beautiful, healthy, and I know boxwoods have been hit. We're going to talk about that in the second hour. Yeah, boxwoods about, have been hit. Uh, with, you know, the fungal blight, disease. Yeah. Uh, blight, yeah. And, uh, uh 
it, this one didn't have any of those problems, and I thought, eh, you're in the wrong place. Um, you're going to go. And I put vegetables in where I had the boxwood. Well, then that's more beneficial to you. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm so happy I did it. You I know what a weed so is? A weed is a plant in the wrong place. So obviously that box was a weed. The boxwood was a weed. Yeah. And and that's the way you have to look at yes. it if if you don't. I I've, I've been talking now for the last I don't know, 3 or 4 years about taking out my crab apple. Really? Yeah, cuz I want more sun. It not the most elegant shape plant in the world it suckers i gotta address that i mean there's a lot of mm-hmm. reasons why not to have now in the spring i get the most go- and it's one of those you know it's a it's it's a hybrid it is a uh prairie fire crab it gets mm-hmm. like no disease uh beautiful pink really rich dark pink yeah. blooms in the spring and crab apples in the fall and Which then the birds and, like. and the birds love them, and the squirrels love them. All the critters love them, and they they pick that thing clean. I can and you have winter interest too. Then yeah, I can understand your your plight. It's yeah. like now, what do I do? Because yeah. it serves a purpose, but it's too big, mm-hmm. and it's too, and it's too much work. Yeah, and and if I got rid of it, I could plant more sun loving plants. You could, and so you have to weigh the benefits. What, what is your plan for your garden if you take that tree down? And, I mean, we have this at the Park District, too. If I take a tree down, does it open up an mm-hmm. opportunity for me to plant another garden? Or if I take a tree down, um, is it going to end up being just a yeah. blank space well, because I need a blank space? And that's the thing, a plant. Don't just take it out. Exactly. But what are you going to put yeah. there? Don't, don't rage cut. <laughs> rage cut. Don't rage cut. Take that, Juniper. That is the first time I've heard that phrase. Uh, Ellie, write that down. Don't rage cut. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that's good. But I like also, that. Okay, no, feel, oh, thank you. Also, don't feel bad about cutting and just pruning no, something at the ground. Exactly. Pruning Sometimes ground, you do. Over. You know, uh, you uh, one cut, bzz, yep. ankle, yep. eye, and you're done. And you move on. Yeah. That was that's his solution to Bartlett pears. Uh, it's oh yeah, all Bartlett pears. I, uh, <laughs> how, many, how many Bartlett pears do you have in uh, in uh, Oak in Lawn? the parks? Uh, not very many because uh, my supervisor is uh, also an arborist, so he's a very smart tree. Uh, <laughs> he tree gets a ding. He gets a ding. Shout out to my Joel, and um, so we we have. I think the last one that we planted may have been about nineteen twenty seven. Well, I wish, but I think it had been about ten years ago. But yeah. since I already talked about the town I live in, I won't go into the seventy two trees they took down on my block and put in seventy pear trees to replace them. No, it's criminal. Did you wait? They okay, did. So you're so they, you're you're doing the right thing in the park district of, uh, and then you go home. And your municipality does this really dumb thing. And, and folks, it is dumb. If yeah. you're going to put a bunch of Bartlett pears on a strip, on you're you're an idiot, and you need to be replaced. All right, you, <laughs> I'm sorry. You need you're you're in the wrong job. You need to be an usher at a movie theater or something. Okay, um, it's just crazy. And there's recently we had this uh, incident in Chicago, and I'm following up on this, where oh yeah, five mature. London plane trees got removed. Oh no! Yeah, from because a parkway. from a parkway, because apparently somebody just didn't like the way they looked, oh. and of course the neighbors are really unhappy. And it looks like the alderman was doing a favor, mm. and it was a rich person, and 
you know the story. They've it's, been mysteriously it's, trimmed way up. They oh well, no, not mysteriously trimmed up. That's what the city does. Now that's in a, that's what I, uh, if I had to guess what happened, I'm thinking the person in that house in that 1.4 million dollar house on that street said. Those trees look ugly because they're trimmed up. Well, that's what the city does. Got to have clearance for trucks and, and people on bikes. You I know, mean, that's I, how it works in yeah. the city, you know. Yeah. Um, and they, I, they've been, trees have been limbed up on my block, mm-hmm. and I wasn't crazy about it. And I kind of go, oh, well, that's the way it goes. And some yeah. of it's a safety concern. You want the it lights is. to come down. And, and as you said, it's clearance and that sort of thing. Yes. So I'm guessing that these people, beca- and then I called an arborist, and we had a long conversation. <laughs> and I said, what kind of uh, diseases? Because the the people the the story that was in Block Club uh, reported on this said Which is an online news agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Said um, uh, that they complained that one of the trees had disease. And I said to my arborist friend, <laughs> "What kind of a, tr- a disease will London plane tree get?" He said, "I don't know, powdery mildew." I went, "Oh man, that's like a non-disease. Okay, that's no yeah, reason to no, cut down a mature tree." Not. So, nope. so what happened is. Somebody got to be in their bonnet, so to speak. Yes. Went to the alderman, said, hey, can you cut these down? Alderman said, what's in it for me? And then they cut them down. They worked out whatever the deal was. And so I'm going to follow up on that, folks, and we're going to see what happens. All right. We're going to continue our conversation. I want to talk organics and praying mantids when we come back with Dolly Foster. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMille. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please, support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. (laughs) 
When criminals in this world appear And break the laws that they should fear And frighten all who see or hear The cry goes up both far and near For underdog 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 Speed of lightning Roar of thunder Fighting all who There you go, by request. Thank you. For, we need uh, Dolly's mic. Uh, by request for Dolly Foster. Uh, we need her mic. You still there? Talk to me, Dolly. I'm here. I am here, but oh, there, there she is. There we are. She's back. I'm back. That was great. Thanks. Oh, oh. let's do it. Let's take a phone call. Um, in, in fact, I thought... Uh, Oh, and I have a question that I got a request on Facebook about, but let's take this phone call first. Mark in Park Ridge, you're on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. I read an article coming from the New Yorker, March 2018. Oh, yeah. I I read that article, too. It was terrifying. Did you read it? Yeah, I read that article, Mark. I'm telling you. I I read it, and I'm going, wait a minute. (laughs) So I thought I'd bring up. Bring up the subject. See if your guest had a comment on that. <laughs> I'm sure I do, but uh, uh, and and it's about if she if she if, if she wants to comment on it. Okay, and what is your observation you want to make, Mark? Well, just the stink bugs are coming. <laughs> the stink bugs are coming. The stink bugs are coming this way. I mean, you read the article. Uh, yes, I did, and and uh, and I'll tell you something else. Uh, over the yeah. over the winter. I found six stink bugs in my home, and this is yeah. smack in the middle of Chicago. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. they just pop up, and they would just show up from time to time, and they'd be there's one on a wall, mm-hmm. there's one in you know in the bathroom, there's one in the kitchen. And it's you like were posting I, them on Facebook for a while. I, I, I was, and and <laughs> were I started, you them? and I started. You know what's what's weird is uh, stink bug cam. Right. Yeah, but what's weird is that now that we've gotten into summer, I haven't seen them. No. But in the winter, they were popping up in the house, and I thought, uh-oh, huh. this is not good. And then I read that article too, Mark, and it and basically yeah. it's about how stink bugs, uh, they're they're a double threat because they do yeah. crop damage, but they're yes. also a nuisance pest. And yeah. usually, a nuisance pest is doesn't do crop damage and vice versa. This is a double threat. Yes, it is. Uh, and I there's assume very this little is... that affect them, from what I understand, listening to the article. Uh, it, I mean, it's not like you can just uh, well. It's because you stamp of, uh, them out, or you, you you figure out a way to to keep them out. But they figure out a way to get in. Well, it, right, they a, do. They find out a way to get in. And if you read that story, the horror story yeah. of this of this couple that found thousands of them oh. upstairs, and then right. they started cleaning, <laughs> and they were cleaning them out for weeks, ah. trying to get them out of there. Yeah, I didn't, that's I didn't, when it uh, becomes I icky. Didn't my, <laughs> yeah. I didn't tell my wife about the article, so. <laughs> Good I didn't for you. want her to read it. You want her to see it. <laughs> all right. What, have anyway, you... that's all. I just I, I just wanted to bring it up. I, not to uh, make everybody crazy, but uh, I wanted to see what you, your thoughts were about it. All right. It. Well, 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 we'll chat about, about that they're a little gonna bit. They're going to get here. They're going to get here. All right, Mark, thanks a lot. I appreciate the phone call. Uh, uh, okay, guys. Thanks. Uh, all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> 877-711-5611 is our phone call, by the way. What's your observations on, on this I assume thing? this article was about the brown marmoted. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's about how yeah. it's making its way across the country, and it's just horrible. There's and there's very little you can do about it. Yeah, I really 
don't have very much of an opinion about it. I haven't seen any. <laughs> because you're of course. you're on the, the side of goodness and light, not the evil right. insect side. I'm not. Right. An, I'm not an agriculturist, so. Um, I, I, yeah, well, I, but it's not. But the point I'm making is not just agronomy that's no. affected mm-hmm. by this. It's everybody's affected yes. by this. It's going to be bad. And and I had heard about it and was made aware of it. Um, I'd say at least four or five years ago by one of my volunteers who's also a master gardener. And she mm-hmm. said, we're going to have to keep an eye out for this. And then we never saw him. And so uh, from what I understand, now they're starting to make their way. So I, I really yeah. I don't know much about them. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, Real quickly, praying mantids. Yeah, I want to hear about the praying mantis. Okay, praying mantis. <laughs> My praying mantid speech. Okay, first of all, the praying mantid that we have here in the Midwest is not a native praying mantid. I assume not. No. Yeah, I was looking some up last night. Mm-hmm. There are some natives. There are some natives, but, but they, they don't make it this far north. They've been seen in southern Indiana and southern Illinois because of the winters being a little bit warmer mm-hmm. um, recently. But uh, for the most part, they're down in Tennessee like that's that's kind of the the range of their cold season, you know, that's where they can survive. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. So the the praying mantids that we have here are not native. They're from China and Europe. They've been sold for decades by garden centers and in magazines and by garden clubs as a beneficial. The only thing about them is that they are our largest insect in the Midwest. And being our largest insect in the Midwest and being uh, non-selective in what they eat, they don't just eat the bad bugs in your (laughs) vegetable garden. They are fast enough, large enough, and powerful enough to catch our fastest butterfly, which is the monarch. They can catch Monarch's the fastest butterfly? Yeah, they they can fly about 20 to 22 miles an hour. Wow, okay. Um, They can chase sparrows and cardinals out of the garden. I've seen photos. In fact, last night I, I looked up. Uh, the 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 t- at Snopes, um, um, a praying mantid that grabbed a hummingbird. Yeah, I was and, reading that they'd eat hummingbirds. It's very, yeah. it's a very regular thing with them, especially young. Well, I heard it was unusual. That's mm-hmm. what I read on Snopes. But I, you know, you I think don't it's know, regular, man. You look it up on YouTube, <laughs> and there's a lot of horrific videos on YouTube. So it happens frequently, especially to to young fledgling hummingbirds that are just learning how to fly. Yeah, but they can catch an adult hummingbird and they can also catch our largest butterfly which is the yellow tiger swallowtail wow so they're you know they're they're extremely fast they're voracious eaters um the first time i heard about them eating monarch butterflies my brother was raising monarchs and he released a monarch and came back a few minutes later and there was a praying mantis eating his butterfly that he just released and just about broke my brother's heart Mm. and um but it it's not my observation and his observation is not the only observation that they eat monarchs because I have found wings in my yard. And so has Bob Ehrlich. He has found wings in his yard. And, and that's the only thing that would eat the whole body. Um, and so and the point is, again, that, yes, they can eat bad insects. They can eat good insects. They eat anything. They don't care. They don't discriminate. They don't, they yeah. don't discriminate. No, yeah. they don't. And so here's, the, here's what I tell my students in, in my lectures is you have to make that decision for yourself whether or not you're going to allow this insect in your garden. Now you know that they're not native. Now you know they're voracious eaters and they can eat the things that you're trying to grow your pollinator garden for. So you have to make the decision whether or not to destroy that egg casing when you see it in the spring or destroy the egg casings in the fall when you see them well they're awfully cool they're just cool 
They're cool. And I, and I, I do admit that when I worked in the garden center industry way back when, before I knew that this was a thing, that they were kind of like the big baddie of the garden. I did bring one home in a paper bag from work. Hmm. And that's how I got them into my garden. And I had them in my garden for several years, and then yeah. they kind of disappeared. You know, yeah. yeah, they moved on. All right, before we go, uh, and you have like a minute to do this, um, the connection between organic gardening and pollinators. If you garden organically, you will have the pollinators. If you do not garden organically and you're spraying pesticides regularly, then you will not have your pollinators, and you will have a less less yield in your vegetable garden, and you will have less beautiful things to see in your pollinator gardens. It's that simple. It is that simple. Uh, because I know that you, you did the talk uh, for the Master Gardeners in Chicago recently, yes. and it was about pollinators and organic gardening. And I just want people to understand that connection. It's like treat the earth gently and the yes. insects will be there. Yes. And you're not going to get overrun with <laughs> praying mantids. Uh, no. or our stink bugs. Well, you might still get overrun with stink bugs. You yeah. never know. But uh, the idea is if you want bees, if you want butterflies, you got you, you just leave it alone. Yeah. Let it do its thing. And you do want bees. Bees yes. are lovely. They're beautiful to watch. Right. And they're not generally, unless you're messing with them, they're not going to sting you. No. And no. I understand people that have that, but it's such a small percentage of the population. Yeah, and it can be a very serious problem. But bring the bees in. We That's need right. them. All right. Dolly Foster. Go to her website, hortforyou.com. Net. net. All right. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. We will be back. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Warp. Killer Asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for second hour capitalist radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All and you can't have eat. good food to eat unless you have pollinators. Uh, we've got a bonus. Bonus. Bonus Dolly here Woo-hoo! in the studio because uh, as she was getting ready to leave, she said, oh, I forgot to mention there's something going on you guys need to know about. So that's why you're here. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that, Dolly. What were you? What did you want to talk about? We are having our Monarch Fest in Oaklawn on September 15th from 2 to 5 p.m. at the Oakview Center. 
And uh, it's a free event. We are going to educate you on all things pollinator, and we will have butterflies there that we will be tagging for the uh, monarch migration. And if you're interested in coming down to Oaklawn and being trained on how to raise a monarch butterfly to bring to the fest to be um, tagged for the migration, I'm having two sessions on uh, August 22nd and 23rd. You can find information about that on mm-hmm. our website. And I'm just, uh, i got to do this one more time for people who didn't watch the first hour. There's right. the butterflies. Uh, There's wait, the butterflies. That's, There's 39 in there. I just I counted during the break. Oh, right. So happy birthday, Dad. Yes, happy birthday to your dad. Yeah. Oh, is it Dad's birthday? That's why she's that's, 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 that's why, why the butterflies made the, those. Yeah. I already heard the appearance. That. Yeah. Okay. And he, he uh, raises them. And, and we had some brothers folks and write to us and them. say, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say we had some folks write to us and say, where can I go to see good pollinator-friendly gardens? I really love Chicago Botanic Garden. It's one of my favorite places to go. And I, and also, you mentioned Peggy Lurie, Lurie Garden, Garden, which is one of my all-time favorite gardens in the city. And the thing you should know about Lurie, however, they're not all natives. This no, is a Pete, Pete mm-hmm. Udolph design, but mm-hmm. he integrates different kinds of plants. So just for you purists out there, that's, yes. not, a, that's not a prairie. That is a designed garden. Yes, it's a designed right? native R. Yeah. slash native garden, yeah. but it's still beautiful it's still, it's and still, worthy and, and feeds lots, pollinators. And lots of natives and feeds pollinators. Yeah. Okay. And, if you're up on the North Shore, there's the Centennial Prairie in Wilmette. Uh, I will have to visit there. Yeah, you got to go. I've heard about it. Which yeah. is um, yeah. Old Glenview Road and Crawford, which becomes something I don't have. Uh, and there's a... And today, 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 West Cook Wild Ones has birds, bees, and butterflies, a native garden tour from 1 to 4. So when the show's over, you can go to Oak Park and River Forest more information at Wait, West. Is that Oak Lawn or Oak Park? Oak, oh, Oak Park. Park. Oak okay. Park, 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 Park. And River Forest. Park, Park, go Park, to westcook.wildones.org for your tickets, or you can go straight to the Oak Park Conservatory, 615 Garfield Street in Oak Park. Kids are free. See your birds, your bees, and your butterflies. So there we go. We're trying to help you folks uh, find, and I'm sure that uh, there will be, I'll tell you what, if, if you have a favorite pollinator friendly garden, that you like to visit and you think is inspiring, uh, send us a quick note uh, on Facebook uh, or write to on Mike, Twitter or... on Twitter, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Uh, you can do that, and uh, we'll, we'll during mm-hmm. the course of the rest of the show, we'll we'll get that word yeah. out. Uh, a... And don't forget that it doesn't matter how big your yard is, or if you live in a condo, or you have a balcony, you can have pollinators. I, I have. Yeah, you had the article about planting milkweed on your yes, container I'm, garden on your balcony. Absolutely. One of our um, our Monarch Fest uh, coordinator, Mike, he took home some milkweed and had it on his balcony when he had a condo. And he had monarchs and bees and, and all kinds of things coming to just that one pot of Isn't milkweed. Isn't it amazing, amazing. That, that they can they find that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just they track it down. Zoom right in on it. It's, yep. it's, it's absolutely amazing. All right. I hate to tell you this uh Time to pack up your but, butterflies. But I, time here is I tell you there. what, can you leave and and keep the butterflies here? This is for her can, dad's I birthday. Cannot. This is for dad's birthday. I know. Dad, dad will understand. Dad won't understand. Dad loves butterflies. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just <laughs> feeling so comforted by having the monarchs here. Isn't it wonderful? They're very peaceful to watch. Um, and I I love them more, though, in my backyard because mm-hmm. when they float around and flit and oh, yeah. can't count on them just to, 
to land anywhere you want them to when you've got your camera, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> no. And, and, and you know what? I have enough photos of monarchs already. It's, I don't know what to do with all the photos right. of monarchs that yeah. I have. So it's time It's time to move on to a different butterfly, oh, like see. the silver-spotted uh, skipper. Sl- skipper. Yeah. Maybe that's your new favorite. I, I, it's the first time I ever saw one, <laughs> so I don't know if it is <laughs> my could- new you could plant more dill and Queen Anne's lace and other well, things I, I, and, and get some swallowtails. I have, I have a beautiful picture of a black swallowtail that stopped by this year. Yeah. I, I could use a yellow swallowtail. That would be uh, a tiger swallowtail. You, you, you need a, ha- a hackberry tree. Uh, okay. Oh, great. Maybe I don't replace have, that. I, I've already <laughs> tried to get rid of trees <laughs> in my Replace that tree with a hackberry. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Well, Dolly Foster, thank you so much again. Thank you. Go to hort for you H-O-R-T, numeral four. Uh, U, letter U, dot net, and find all this stuff. You're also on Facebook as Dolly. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Do- Dolly, as Dolly Swibes Foster. Yes. We had that conversation yes. off air. <laughs> uh, you, you don't need to know that. So uh, so get out of here. Take, those, right. take those darn butterflies and just get and say, <laughs> and wish your dad happy birthday. I will. Okay. I will. Thank uh, you. Uh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, what else have we got today? Uh, real quick, we have another garden tour coming up August 18th that happens to be in Oak Park from 10 to 1. But this is District 97, a school district garden tour oh, of okay. um, District 97 school gardens, including family-friendly gardens and pollinator gardens. And you can go to op97.org for that. op97.org. Oak Park. Uh, and, uh, don't start throwing all those oaks and parks and lawns at me, Okay. Uh, Dolly, you're going to want to listen to this on your way out. We're going to have Tom Bouchelle on next uh, with uh, Nature Hills Nursery. We're talking about how to ship e-commerce, uh, plant shipments that stay healthy. It's called Plant Century, right next on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. Now's the time to sign up for one of McHenry County's premier sustainability events. If your business offers products or services that are eco-friendly, healthy, locally produced, or energy efficient, McHenry County College wants you to join them as an exhibitor at its 11th annual Green Living Expo. The event takes place November 3rd, but registration for vendor and artist space is open now. This year's expo will be bigger than ever. The popular Artist Walk returns, featuring sustainable artwork, jewelry, and decorative items. And if your business offers eco-friendly holiday gifts, being a vendor is the perfect head start to the season. Last year's event attracted more than 1,100 visitors. Mike and I were there, and we know the expo is a fun way to interact with McHenry County's green community. Register today for the McHenry County College Green Living Expo. Call 815-479-7765 
or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Hi, this is Ron Calgan from Mighty House. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 10 a.m. right here live on 1590 WCGO. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, we're going to switch gears a, a little bit here, although it's related to uh, what we were talking about before, plants and so forth. And uh, I'm just going to go right to the phone line if I can get the mic to stop drooping here. Okay. <laughs> All right. There we go. And uh, bring in Tom Bouchel. Um, and he is president of Wisconsin-based Bushell Horticultural Solutions, LLC. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Uh, great. Morning, happy, Tom. Ha- happy to have you on the show. Um, and what Tom's here to talk about uh, is the fact that a lot of you out there uh, who like to garden and like to order things online, and that, of course, has become the way things are done mm-hmm. now, the the brick and mortar is still there. And I always, <laughs> Tom, you'll have to forgive me. I always tell people, do go to your independent garden center, frequent them, because if you don't, they're going to go away. And then we got, then you got no place to go to walk in the door and look at plants and get really great information. Uh, I don't think that's a threat to e-commerce at all. Um, I think what we need to do is it preserves some of that uh, in the age of e-commerce. But as you know, e-commerce is a big deal. And um, something called Plant Sentry has been created because when you're shipping plants all over the country, let's say the United States, and I guess all over the world, but for, for our purposes here, we're going to talk about the United States. And, and I, and I want to address the commerce across uh, the world as well. But uh, each state has its own requirements and and laws uh, regarding plant material and how to safeguard their lands, how to safeguard their industry, how to safeguard their produce. Uh, and some of that is violated. I mean, we all know that uh, invasive plants have, have come into our country, uh, invasive insects, uh, diseases, and have, res- have been catastrophic. In some ways, um, uh, you know, you think of Japanese beetle, you think of uh, our American chestnut tree mm-hmm. going away, uh, things like that. So emerald ash borer, emerald ash borer. Uh, although uh, you know the that didn't necessarily come in via the horticultural mm-hmm. industry. Uh, from what I understand, emerald ash borer came in via via shipping crates. But that who knows for sure. Uh, and that's why Tom is here now, uh, Tom. Uh, tell us a little bit about Plant Century and how that is going to make 
the uh, e-commerce world uh, a little safer and 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 help the states monitor the kinds of plants that uh, end up in their territories. Well, Mike, it's going to make things a heck of a lot safer, and I'm glad you had the whole superhero uh, tune on this morning. Century <laughs> <laughs> is a uh, is a superhero, um, but it's it's basically to have a worry free purchase of a plant. Uh, for somebody that maybe doesn't know a lot about the plant, you talked a little bit about a plant that got away from you in your yard. Um, sometimes it gets outside of that, gets into the environment, forest, prairies, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, this is to to make sure that when somebody buys a plant, that they buy the right plant for the right place that isn't going to be a detriment uh, uh, directly to them, which could happen. Uh, in the case of invasive species like buckthorn and things like that that can take over your yard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it also doesn't have those indirect effects that we talked about to orchards and, and commodities such as potatoes and things like that uh, that, that, that have a heck of a lot of impact and you know, cost everybody more at the, at the, at the market. Uh, and, and, so, and, yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, I discovered yesterday that was kind of terrifying, I found this article at uh, Virginia Cooperative Extension, uh, and where they say that data from six non-governmental organizations indicated that, some, and, and, and this this is how un, uncertain we are about this, somewhere between 34% to 83%, and that's a huge range, 34% to 83% of the total number of invasive uh, taxa species, varieties, or cultivars in the U.S., had a horticultural origin. So that to this point, it hasn't been the safest thing in the world to ship plants around, has it, Tom? No, it's been, uh, it, it's very troubling. Um, you, you know, before we had, like you said, the ITCs, e-commerce models, you know, a completely different purchaser. Mm-hmm. Everything is quick, 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 you know, click, click, click. Um, they see a picture. Um, most people don't read a lot into things, um, but they like that beautiful plant, right, that we see in that in that picture. And invasive plants and pests and diseases can be a regional issue, and most often not in times it is. And so it may be detrimental to one region. In another region, it might not have any effects at all. Yeah. Um, so that's where plant century becomes very, very important because it's that certified, worry-free uh, protectionism that you won't purchase something that'll get out of control or it'll bring a pest or disease in that, that kicks you in the butt in your own yard or, or get somebody else indirectly on the outside. Maybe it affects the habitat and bees. You know, you know how hard it is to create bee habitat, yeah. monarch yeah. habitat. Well, think about wild pears and things like that. If they get into these prairie settings, uh, invasive grasses, things like that, that has serious, serious, serious impact and, and long-term effects on uh, going all the way down to the to, to the the purchasing of honey in the market, which has gone through the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I should note that uh, this uh, program called Plant Sentry, uh, you should know that that's the name of it, was started at Nature Hills Nursery. Um, and you're the compliance officer for Nature Hills nur- Nursery. And uh, Nature Hills is uh, basically the largest Online, online, online uh, shipper of plants, grower uh, and shipper. Yeah, and uh, so it makes sense. They they could they build themselves as America's largest online plant mm-hmm. nursery. Um, so it makes sense to to cover this. 
And as you mentioned, what's really kind of interesting is something that may be invasive in one part of the country is not mm-hmm. in another. Or even in part of a state versus elsewhere in a state. Well, yeah, I, you know, and, and I would look at the Pacific Northwest in general. There's a lot of plants that get to be invasive on the western side of the Cascades uh, because of the different – it's more yeah. like it, – it, it's such a, a, a wet maritime influence. So, for instance, they've had to bla- ban butterfly bush – out there, if I'm not mistaken, Scotch broom uh, has taken over the roads there. I, fir- I first saw Scotch broom, Tom, uh, about 30 years ago, and I said, "Wow, that's really pretty. How about that?" And it was everywhere. Hmm. And then, you, <laughs> yeah, and you and you and you begin to realize, wait a second, it's everywhere. And how did that happen? And it escaped. It got introduced. It got brought over from Europe, uh, de- uh, you know, centuries ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has just run rampant. Uh, yet, if you planted it in the mid-Atlantic, no problem. So you you could ship to Delaware and uh, it would be fine, but you can't do it to mm-hmm. Washington State or Oregon because they, they have an issue with that. So how do you control that via e-commerce? You, you need a database, don't you? Yeah, you're exactly correct. It's a it's a vast database uh, based on all the state and federal regulations, uh, but it, it it takes incredible teamwork to uh, pull something like this off. Mm-hmm. So it's interaction with state and federal officials who do actually do a, a wonderful job of 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 trying to help everybody out to prevent these things uh, from happening. So we're able to actually do what we call a plant audit, which is part of our systems approach. Um, that would be in real time that would say, okay, if this, this plant comes up, it's, it's shipping from this person in, say, the state of uh, Alabama, mm-hmm. um, can it go to the West Coast? Uh, there's certain uh, procedures and protocols that they may have to follow and or it might not be, uh, that plant might be outright prohibited from being able to do that. And so in that case, uh, the consumer wouldn't be able to purchase that plant and, and I, stop it up front. I would imagine that could change over time, too, so that database has to be maintained constantly. That's a great question. Yes, it's uh, it's constant updating and maintaining on a daily basis. Things change uh, dramatically on a daily basis. Fruit flies is a really good example. Uh, stress more on the commodity side, but there are a lot of host plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are that are affected like that, and that that could be enacted for a five or six day period or or a month, and then they they have it under control and eradicated, and so then you can pull it back. So yeah, there's a lot of different uh, little pieces to the puzzle. So it's a, a definite ongoing thing. Uh, so Tom, uh, you, you're talking about plants, and and we know that. Again, states have their own laws, and they say, please don't bring that here. But sometimes, you know, people throw them in the, in the trunk of their car, and then they drive across country, and they, they'll ship it. Or they uh, order them on eBay or Etsy. Uh, right. Um, and a lot of those plants have been banned. I mean, I know that, uh, that uh, 20 years ago, there, there was a, a ban on, um, oh, what's the, um, ah, it's not going to come into my head. It's the, the uh, purple loosestrife. There we go. Oh, yeah. Purple loosestrife has been on people's radar for a long time, um, and I've seen it in the Pacific Northwest, and I see it in the Midwest. Um, it's uh, it's it's pernicious. Um, but what about uh, you mentioned insects as well? What about diseases? What about insects? Does this does the plant sentry program also help keep those out of the various states? 
Absolutely. Um, it's designed to not only do invasive species, um, but it's also to, to designed to deal with serious pests and diseases where there are certain quarantines for certain things. And um, one really good example is I'll, I'll use this, the, the genus Prunus, uh, peaches, cherries, mm-hmm. uh, and those types of things. Uh, typically going from east to west to the west coast, there's some pretty serious diseases, uh, uh, X disease of peach and and peach yellows and some other things that uh, they don't have in the West, okay? So they really don't. Uh, there's some pretty heavy restrictions to prevent uh, that from getting out there and affecting uh, those orchards. Uh, and, and possibly in, like, the state of Oregon, um, their, their nursery stock there. Just backing up a little bit on the on, – I mentioned they're bringing a butterfly bush. I think it's a really cool plan. I, I just wanted to say that the, the, the green industry is taking some pretty proactive steps to produce non-invasive plants. So there are cultivars, actually, a butterfly bush out there right now that are legal to ship in states like Oregon and Washington mm-hmm. where they were a big problem because they're sterile. Uh, and they won't be an offender in in those states any longer. You know, Tom, there are some really really good things that are going on. Yeah, that. now that's that's great. I gotta admit that's a good thing. This was a, an argument made twenty years ago with purple loosestrife. We have sterile varieties, and then some of those sterile and I'm using air quotes here. Sterile varieties turn out not to be so sterile, um, and this is an issue also. And and you look at um, Bradford pear. And, uh, you know, the various calorie pairs out there. And I was to a conference where uh, some of the scientists said, well, you know, individually, uh, those those varieties are sterile, but they can combine with other varieties and then they're not sterile. So these are all issues that you guys have to deal with, don't you? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's something that when we talked about when we talk about systems approach with plant century, it's, mm-hmm. it's using multiple methods to get to the right answer. Um, and so in that case, um, and especially on the invasives front and even on the pest and disease front, we're, we're looking out further ahead to say, yeah. okay, there's, there's predictor models to say, hey, is this plant changing or is it adapting? Because there's, there's many organizations and, and, and people that are, that are watching these things. So when I talk about team and a team effort in plant century, there's, there's a huge outside team, whether it would be universities, state and federal officials. There, there's, there's a lot of communication and, and transparency going on to really make this system work. Yeah, and, and you're involved in a plant risk evaluator program as well, like you said, with universities and botanic gardens. Is, does that tie into some of that, which is a um, Yes, it does. Actually, I, I helped uh, evaluate the pre-tool, which was done at, by PlantRight out in uh, California, and I believe that came out of Cal early on, um, but is a predictor tool in the different regions based on a, a set of plants with horticulture professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a, in a case on invasive species, there's plants that have watches, they're either watching or they say this plant, maybe the maybe that, that, that evil villain that we talk about in the superhero world, we don't want that. <laughs> um, so so it's, a pretty, uh, it's a pretty good predictor model to say, hey, you can work far enough out ahead to say, hey, maybe we should start pulling this back. Is there maybe a non-invasive cultivar out there to replace that or things like that? So there's there's little things like that that, that we are always watching. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely a very productive environment all the time. We got like a minute and a half here, Tom. So uh, this sounds like a great program, Plant Century. How is 
Uh, Nature Hills Nursery going to share that with the industry, obviously some sort of proprietary program, but to really make it effective, you, you really have to share it, don't you? Exactly, and that's that's a great question because uh, in all, a lot of credit to Nature Hills and being able to work with that team that they wanted to lead this thing out knowing that it was a problem and lead, lead industry and be the first to get this system up and running and, and, and to make it available uh, to other e-commerce chains, especially the non-plant ones that are really worrisome that don't really know plants. Mm. Uh, you talk mm-hmm. about the Ebays and some of these other uh, uh, companies. Uh, they aren't typically staffed with horticulturists or chain stores, same thing. They're not typically mm-hmm. staffed with horticulture professionals, whereas like the independent garden centers are. Um, so it's definitely a, a, a great uh, a, a great program, and leading it in is, is really exciting. And it's, it's going to be a cloud, cloud, it's a cloud-based uh, system uh, software that would be made available to uh, not only e-commerce companies, but uh, we've already reached out, you know, past that to even Okay, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of out of time. All right, thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Did you know that there are 17,000 chemicals used in the array of common household cleaners? But only 30% of these are tested for side effects on human health and the environment. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The average household has 3 to 25 gallons of toxic materials in the house, most of which are cleaning products. When buying cleaning products, avoid anything that bears a poison label. Duh! But especially products that contain diethylene glycol, formaldehyde-based deodorizers, triclosan, phenols, petroleum solvents, perchloroethylene, and other hard-to-pronounce stuff. Check out sites like EWG.org, who have done the homework for you already. Or make your own. It's an easy, non-toxic solution. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. And which one is this? He just said it. I didn't, you didn't. I didn't catch it. I heard space something. Space ghost? Come on, space ghost. Don't know. Ra- Randall's shaking his head. What? You don't know space ghost? I don't. He does. You, I don't. You do or you don't? I know Space Ghost. Okay, there you go. That's Space Ghost theme. Ah, 
I mean, well, t- Tom Bouchel was talking about all the superhero stuff. I thought, okay, I got to play another one. So, well, you know, I could go. There's 50 here. We could just go on for days just playing these themes. We could, like, leave, go to breakfast and leave the themes on. Yeah. And then that would be almost the same as playing test tone on this radio station because that's how many people would be listening. Right. About the same. Zero is what I'm saying. I think Randall's okay. nodding off. Okay. Welcome back to the Mike Nova Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, a couple of things here that uh, we want to get to. I got uh, it. When I walked out the door this morning, uh, actually, when I got up, first got up to see what was going uh, on outside, it was raining. Really? Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. I did see some little clouds. Yep. It was, and, up and, I, and in fact, I looked on the radar to see what it was. I went, "Oh, rain! This is awesome!" And of course, it was just sad and just kind of just enough to get your car window a little uh, dirty. Well, not mine. I'm in mine's in the garage. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it's not even enough really to water the plants properly. Uh, and it's what what it. Uh, what occurred to me was that this is a total fake out for, mm-hmm. for anybody who was up this morning and saw a little rain. They went, oh, we got rain. No, folks, we did not get rain. OK, that was not rain. Not after the last several weeks. And we will have uh, Rick DeMaio on uh, in just a few minutes to talk about how little water yeah. we've well, had. Even the rain a couple of days ago it depended where you were it went north and south of me and i got no rain at all out of it yeah well even if you got it you didn't get rain i'm telling you that doesn't count uh so i got this uh uh, email from uh md skeet our friend skeet from uh bartlett tree experts who's going to be here on the program on the 19th of august to talk trees yay skeet uh so thanks skeet for sending this and he he writes uh, he, he, he wrote in the subject line, alert water. Uh, and he said, hi, tree friends. If you saw me right now, you would see me jumping up and down, waving my hands and trying to get your attention. Yes, this is an alert water, water and water. He says, our friends, the trees have gone through a week without rain. Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw it rain for five to ten minutes this week, which did little to nothing for the trees, which is what I'm talking about. No. Ninety degrees we're getting right now. No rain uh, in the forecast for a week. And so he attaches these watering guidelines, which you need to know about because you need to water properly for certain reasons. Now, if you've got an established tree, you're probably not going to have an issue. On the other hand, you know, if if this keeps up, this and that's the the part part of the fake out is that we had so much rain in the spring, and now suddenly the spigot has been turned off. All right, and those of you who have perennials know this because they mm-hmm. kind of shrivel up, but you don't pay attention to your trees. And he says that, uh, and then Bartlett, uh, he sent the PDF from Bartlett, and they say uh, uh, the lack of rain and high heat. Create dangerous water deficit for trees. Root systems for urban trees are often thin and shallow and vulnerable to drying out, especially on trees in poor condition. And you need to prioritize your water needs. And so here's how you prioritize them. These are the trees that need it right away. Recently transplanted trees and shrubs because they have reduced root systems. When you dig up a tree to sell it, you're lopping off. Far more than 50% of the root system. 
Okay. So though you transplanted something, boom, you need to water it. Any tree that has received root or other damage, somebody's been doing sewer work in your block, watch that tree. Susceptible species such as ash trees. Why? Because they're susceptible to emerald ash borer. They get stressed, boom, they get hit with the, with the insect. Sensitive species such as sugar and Norway maple. Now, I'm not a fan of Norway maple, but if, if it's a beautiful tree and you want, <laughs> want to keep it, you might want to pay attention to it. Floodplain species such as pin oak, river birch, and red maple. Trees and planters or parking islands. They have limited root space. They need the water. Trees growing outside their normal range. All of you want to have that magnolia. Boy, oh boy. Um, any specimen or favored tree. Now, they recommend one inch of water per week when there is no rainfall. The root zone of one large tree may spread over a 30 by 30 area. 30 feet by 30 feet. One inch of water over this area would require 560 gallons of water or over or more than 10 55-gallon barrels. An open garden hose would need to run wide open for almost one hour to deliver this much water. Adding a sprinkler will cut down the flow, requiring more time. Now, what you do is you put a, a cup, a can out there, like a tuna can or whatever, and then you can figure out how much water you've put down. Uh, Deeply soaking less often is more efficient than frequent light watering. So if you're just out there spraying that hose for five minutes, you walk in, you might as well not even do that. Why waste your money? Why waste the water? Mm -hmm. Why even do that? You know, that's just silly. Um, Soaker hoses waste less water than sprinklers, but must be moved frequently for good coverage. Watering at night or morning is best. Oscillating sprinklers work well if placed next to the trunk and directed at the drip line away from the trunk of Mm -hmm. the tree. Water is primarily absorbed by the root system and not by the leaves or needles. So try to avoid spraying the leaves and needles. This could cause fungus issues. Watering every day will cause tree root rot issues. Roots need oxygen, and watering every day can suffocate the root system as the water pushes out the oxygen. And one other thing you can really do is proper mulching. But keep the mulch off the trunks. Mulch like a donut. Not not, a volcano. Not like a volcano. Uh, Please remember that, and this is a really important point, that Folks don't uh, get, I think, sometimes. We go inside or find shade when it's hot. The tree's response is to drop leaves to keep cool. Leaf drop is normal. When temperatures rise above 80 degrees or high humidity, a tree will often drop leaves. So if you see your tree and it has leaf drop, it doesn't mean it's dying. It means it's protecting itself. And it does mean it may, it may need some water. Mm-hmm. You may need to water it. And, you know, uh, for a new tree, what I like to do is a drip hose. And you just you trick, get a trickle coming out of the hose. And you can do it in quadrants around the, uh, the root ball. Now, if it's a tiny root ball, you can probably just put it in one place and let it soak. If it's a slightly larger, you know, any tree that has been planted in the last three years is a new tree. Just something you should know. Last three years, that's a new tree. Uh, and so it might need extra care. Get the drip hose out there, 
and uh, and let it trickle. And so if it is like two years old and you know the root ball, the, the roots uh, extended a little bit, you can do it in quadrants around the base of a tree uh, until it gets enough water. So anyway, uh, we'll talk more to Rick DeMaio, meteorologist, about, uh, about uh, our rainfall and lack thereof later on. So you had uh, some other stuff going on, Peggy. Yep. It's called I have too many windows on, open on my computer. Um, so we were talking milkweed before, and the new plant health care report from the Martin, Morton Arboretum came out August 3rd, so that's nice and fresh. And they're talking about different pests, but uh, we were talking with Dolly Foster about milkweed bugs and beetles, um, and they are saying that although they're out, they're a very minor threat. Um, Red milkweed beetles are half-inch to three-quarter inch long, red with black spots and long antenna. While the adults feed on the milkweed leaves, um, they're not really doing much to the milkweed. Milkweed bugs also attack milkweed. Um, they look very alike. They're often mistaken for box elder bugs. Um, typically, though, they're not doing much more than chewing on the leaves. They're not damaging the plant permanently. You don't have to get into a panic. The milkweed beetle? Yes. Yeah, I think they're cool. Yeah, and I mean, you know, especially the milkweed yeah. bug, you know, the the bigger ones that look kind of like the box elders. Um, <laughs> and go mean. to they suggest going to bugguide.net dot net and uh-huh. looking them up. But basically, it says management, no, nah, none usually needed, very little damage. Cool. So you yeah. just go and enjoy them and take some photos. You know, and go, I haven't hey, seen that many in my yard. The last couple of years, I've seen saw a lot of the milkweed bugs out there, whichever variety you're talking about i haven't seen that many in my no, yard this year I guess they're just starting and, to come in yeah i think it's it's early because it's only beginning of august and, so. it, and with it being so dry it'll be interesting to see what happens with the pests yeah in the gardens too absolutely um so i see that uh, we're, we're uh oh there's the birth video <laughs> we got sent a uh great butterfly birth video uh, that uh, was done a few weeks ago. And uh, so thank you to Stacy Fulkerson for sending that along. Yeah. Very, very cool. Another thing that the Arboretum's pointing out is bur oak blight, which is potentially serious. It's a relatively new disease, but it is now in the majority of counties in northern Illinois. Um, their survey determined 7.1% of the bur oaks at Morton Arboretum have bur oak blight. Really? Yeah, and it's a, a fungal pathogen, Tabachia ioensis. I beg your pardon? Tabachia ioensis. <laughs> Sounds like a superhero or is, something. Is it wacky Tabachia? Yeah, something. Uh, but their symptoms are starting to show up, purplish spots on the veins, on the leaves, um, purple discoloration along the, the veins. It's going to worsen in August and September. Uh, if it gets bad enough, it could seriously harm the tree. Um, and if you think you have it, get a sample to the University of Illinois Plant Clinic and keep watering them. Yeah, and that's, and, and that's the other thing um, that, again, that Bartlett tree experts and Skeet point out that uh, a tree under stress is a tree that's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And now certain trees are coming under stress because the water is basically stopped. You know, yeah. we, you know in, in in certain areas. I mean, if, if it feels like every time I look up at Wisconsin, there's thunderstorms rolling through the whole state, and here we're just sort of it has stopped. So pay attention to that kind of thing. You would pay attention to it in your garden, 
if you saw something drooping, but trees don't droop as easily, so it's... So look at your trees and water them. Yeah. All right. Rick DeMaio is going to tell us more about that when we return. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Yeah, how's the demo going, Jim? It's going good, boss. You know, there's a lot of great material here. Where are we going to bring it? To the landfill. Where else? Seems like a bit of a waste. Maybe we should call up the Evanston Rebuilding Warehouse. The what? The Evanston Rebuilding Warehouse. You know, the place where you can donate reclaimed and reusable items for a tax deduction. Oh. And then people can buy those materials for their renovation or creative reuse projects. Well, what are we waiting for? Call them up. Sure, you can get all the info at Evanston. Whoa, Re- whoa, whoa. You do it. I'm the boss. The Evanston Rebuilding Warehouse. Online at evanstonrebuildingwarehouse.org. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. George, George, George of the jungle. Strong as he can be. Ah, Watch out for that tree. George, George, George of the jungle. Lives a life that's free. Ah, watch out for that tree. Those would be well-watered trees. I know. So uh, that's uh, just another message uh, that folks need to know about their trees. If uh, if the uh, the George Jungle guy <laughs> comes around, make sure the tree's well-watered, hydrated. And and we did get a, a, a quick uh, message on um, Twitter about the... The stuff about the uh, uh, what was the um, the purple loosestrife? I can't, I can't. For some reason, it just it, I know I can see the plant. I can't. I, I have no idea what the name is. Purple loosestrife. And Stiegs wrote, "Yeah, what 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 did happen with that?" And I I don't know. I mean, I, it's still uh, a problem. And I know that they were developing insects that would chow down on it. Uh, I think Michigan State University was doing that. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened. I'm sure it's still an issue and it still uh, crowds out uh, drainage ditches and that sort of thing and and wetlands, uh, which is what it did best. So 
Uh, I guess it requires us doing a little research and see uh, what happened to that because I don't really remember. Or I, I don't know because I haven't researched Yeah, and research. things probably like Japanese knotweed and, and hogweed and some of those have now taken the headlines. Uh, Japanese – no, well, I don't know. Uh, they're – I think phragmites and, and things like that are – are a, a big issue as well. All right, let's go to the phone line. Bring in meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Rick, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Peg Q. Good morning. It's the uh, first Sunday of the month of August. Yeah, and uh, I, uh, you're back in town. I saw the uh, the happy DeMaios there on Facebook. <laughs> All Great photo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my dad looks good for 86, doesn't he? Looks great. Uh, and you, you got all those... Uh, all those brothers out there. How, now, how many are in the family? Uh, there's five of us, and then my um, I have a son, and my brother has two sons, and my other brother has two sons. So, uh, oddly enough, my dad has two brothers, uh, both have passed, but one confirmed bachelor, never married. The other one had two daughters. So, from my uh, from my dad's side of the family tree, he had four sons and five grandsons. <laughs> so heavily, heavily loaded up with the t- testosterone from that side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, you know that, how, the, how the tree waves. You guys talking about trees? I might as well bring that into the discussion, right? Yeah, exactly. It's family tree. Keep the family tree watered. All right. That's all I got to yeah. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird thing to say. I guess <laughs> when you put it in that context, oh, brother. I know. It's kind of. I'm sorry. Now you, how you think of it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you, uh, it's amazing how things have changed. Uh, our, our buddy, Oh, pa- brother, haven't they? Our, our buddy, Pat Scatch, last week, uh, uh-huh. he sent me some information that I used on the show, which surprised the heck out of me. He said that for July, we were... Uh, in this area, we were down two inches of rain, and but he said, yeah. if you go back to the beginning of June, we're still plus two, at least as of last yeah. week, which was yeah, amazing. And, and, the, and the amazing thing about it is, even though we're plus, um, where we're really down is the is that subsoil moisture. You go mm-hmm. about an inch or two into the um, you know the earth, and man, it is dry. Uh, mainly due to the fact that you know we had some warm weather. We got up to 97 yesterday, um, and not only that, but it was sunny, it was windy, and it's amazing how quickly lawns go from green to brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you have persistent dry weather, and then all of a sudden you get a couple of days of hot, windy weather. Uh, and what was amazing is I drove back from Pennsylvania on uh, Friday. I did the whole trip by myself. And they are irrigating the heck out of the cornfields in western Ohio and eastern Indiana because that area of the Midwest um, actually did not get much rain. And then you get into western Indiana and, of course, in Illinois, and the, the corn crops look great because obviously they're still pulling up mm-hmm. moisture out of the ground. But unless we really turn this thing around over the next two to three weeks, which I don't think we will, it still looks like a fairly dry pattern, uh, just about anything that you may have planted only in the first two inches of the ground is definitely going to need a day-to-day moisture uh, source because we're not getting much much in the way of rainfall. Mm. And uh, the other thing I've noticed uh, going on, uh, it, I did this search a couple of days ago on, uh, on, uh, on Google uh, where I just typed in heat. Uh, or something like uh, or, uh, <laughs> hot temperatures or something like that. 
And it came up with a dozen stories, and none of them were, were related. That was the scary part. It's like there was the right. there was Europe, there was Death Valley, there were you know right. other other things going on. Pacific, I went, holy Pacific smoke! Northwest up in the, up in the Arctic. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, the, yeah, Ar- the Arctic, it's, it's, the 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 the, the, the yep. mountain in Sweden where the glacier melted. So now it's no longer the tallest mountain in Sweden. Isn't that crazy? And you sent um, us the photo of Death that, Valley and, and, at 130. Right, yeah, 130 degrees, Peg. And uh, also, this was the warmest July ever um, in the history of, well, we'll say recorded history, which probably goes back, I believe, about 120 years. But the strange thing about this is it's one thing when you get hot. It's the other thing of the reason why. Um, oftentimes it's related to dryness, which obviously en- enhances the ability for the ground to return the heat from the sun back into the air. Uh, the other is oceans. And strangely enough, the tropical Atlantic is actually below normal. Temperatures across much of that area from about West Africa over to the Caribbean are running about a degree or two below normal, which kind of goes against conventional thinking mm-hmm. of why you're warmer um, generally across, you know, most of the sections of, you know, basically we say from about, say, 25 degrees north up to about 70. Um, and one of the reasons why that area is a little bit cooler is there's been persistent easterly flow around the bottom side of this huge area of high pressure that's been keeping Europe basically warm and dry. We saw this, uh, I think it was about five or six years ago, I forget exactly which year it was. When Europe gets really hot, you end up with this huge fl- uh, plume of air that comes off the Sahara Desert, which generally is filled with a lot of a lot of dust, and you end up getting suppression of convection, and you end up getting less hurricanes. But on top of that, the oceans tend to keep, you know, basically become mixed up a lot, you know, from a standpoint of wind blowing across them, and the water doesn't get a chance to really warm up. So this is actually going against a little bit of conventional thinking from a standpoint of why much of uh, the upper levels of the northern hemisphere are warmer than normal. Um, you take that argument and you bring it into the Pacific Northwest, it's a little bit different. Ocean temperature is still well above normal there, and that's probably one of the reasons why that area has been incredibly hot. Washington, Oregon, Idaho, California, not only hot but also dry, and look what's happening again. More wildfires yeah. this year out there. Oh, my goodness. I just, I don't even know. You see those maps and you see how many wildfires. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, and, and on top of that, you know, Yosemite, you know, one of the uh, most populous parks to visit during the summertime because of accessibility to such, you know, a large populated mm-hmm. state, closed down for four days. Yeah. And and there's, there's not much you can do. It's closed for four days, but the impact on the local economy and also, you know, area businesses, you know, before, during, and after, I'm sure goes a lot longer than four days. So these are all the things that you deal with sometimes when you take heat and you intensify it um, during the course of the year when it's at its most, when it's supposed to be at its hottest, which is basically the last couple of weeks of July and the first week of August. Mm. Uh, we actually ended up with the seventh driest um, month on record for Chicago and also Rockford. I haven't seen the statistics yet for the Midwest, but maybe we can talk about that um, obviously next week when we get more data in. All right, give us a real quick forecast here. All right, so a little bit of shower activity coming through this afternoon. I think it's going to weaken, so another day with temperatures of the low to mid-90s, so again, more watering. If we get any rain tomorrow, probably less than a quarter of an inch. Temperatures low 80s tomorrow, and then dry weather for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. 
little shot of rain comes through on Thursday, but overall the next seven days, guys, less than a half inch of rain. So anything you got to do wow. to keep your garden fresh and nice and wet, you kind of need to do it today. All right. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. want to thank everybody on the show, Dolly Foster and Tom Bouchelle and, of course, Rick DeMaio and Randall and Ellie. Till next time, go green or go home. Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.